0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the MAX 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And today, we are remote. I'm sitting here in Phoenix, but I've got two pals from different parts of the country. Please welcome Brandon and Tom and we are going to have a fantastic conversation about all that they're helping around social selling and everything else. I'm going to say probably digital marketing. Brandon and Tom, welcome to the studio. Would love to have each of you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you're here to share with us today.
2: Sure. Well, thank you for having us. This is I'm likewise looking forward to it. I think it'll be a great conversation. Brandon, I think you're on mute, but
0: you know, I, I did that for the whole intro part, so I wouldn't make noise, and then I always forget to actually, you know, click it again.
2: I figured you are about out. ready to say something brilliant, so I figured pour, Or pour
1: water into a water bottle. Yeah. Oh, there we you go. Know, there's yeah. always that. That's right. Yeah.
2: So, right. hey, I'll start off. So, my name's Tom Burton. I'm a lifelong uh, business person in the tech space. So, I've been in the tech world. I have a degree in computer science, built a lot of different comp- tech companies over the years, but even though I'm a tech guy, I've been predominantly more on the business side, the marketing and sales side of things. I know we're going to get into this, but a couple of years ago, I kind of had this punch in the stomach moment where I realized that things I had been doing my whole career to sell and to build sales cycles and predictable forecasts and so forth weren't working anymore. And I kind of learned that at a board meeting where I felt like I got kind of a punch in the stomach and I took a step back. And spent some time really analyzing what had happened and ended up writing a book called The Revenue Zone, which I will probably touch on here. And long story short, Brandon and I kind of got partnered up because he was seeing similar things. And we've really been doing a lot of different stuff with different B2B companies on really how do you transition from maybe this old school way of selling to more of a modern way of selling. And we built a community called Modern Seller HQ around this topic as well. But that's a lot of what we do. And we help companies with that transition from that old school to that modern way of selling.
1: Great intro. Brandon, how about you?
2: I'm Tom sidekick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> That's it.
0: No, yeah. So um, as he said, with Modern Seller HQ is our community, Tom and I are also two of three co-hosts of our own show that we have. That's called Social Selling for Newbies. You know, we struggle with it a little bit because we both don't love the term social selling because it's not about social selling. It's about using social as a really important channel, especially when a sales team has more of a buyer-centric approach than a seller-centric approach. So we are co host of Social Selling for Newbies. And then I'm also a co-founder of a technology company called Fistbump. And Fistbump started uh, because we have this community of people and we all had the same need. Commenting is so important inside of LinkedIn. And there were no real good tools to help somebody effectively and efficiently uh, efficiently comment, capture the comment, document it, apply it towards sales opportunities like putting it into CRM. My co-founder, Daniel, and I created Fistbump as a LinkedIn commenting task manager and it documents comments and pushes it into CRM. So that's
1: that's me. Fascinating. Thanks and for how having it, us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my pleasure. And we were sharing earlier that John Ray had an opportunity, Brandon, to interview you. I don't know how maybe a year ago? Is it has it been that long? You
0: no, know, it was a few years ago. In fact, and I remember it because I had shared on the show my, one of the, my favorite sayings that I've learned, which is uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And then about a week later, I had a T-shirt come to me from, uh, from Amazon that said, comparison is a thief of joy from John. So very, very good memories of being with them on their show.
1: So good. Yeah. He's a good, good guy and, and uh, a fellow studio partner in North Fulton. Too far from you, I think, right? That's
0: right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Good. And how did the two of you get connected? originally? was it through LinkedIn or an introduction?
0: We got introduced through, um, gosh, and I'm going to butcher this now. Um, John's co-host on his show.
1: Yeah, I think he has a couple, so I'm not sure which one. Anyway, uh,
0: his uh, one of one of his co-hosts was a partner in another company, and I knew his partner, and it was all that that way. I got connected to him that way. As uh, I think lifetime entrepreneur, crazy guy, and uh, they wanted me to share my story, the the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, and all that it's stuff. That's
1: how we learn, right? That's right. Yeah. And Tom, uh, how did you and Brandon get connected originally?
2: You know, I think it was LinkedIn through a third party, uh, another party, I think it was named Brad. Brand, Brand, Remember Brandon? I think his name was Brad Banyan or something, something like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and he introduced us and yeah, so ultimately it was social, it was digital. and Yeah, yeah. And
1: love it. I, I have spent a lot of time on Facebook more. I mean, it's both personal and professional for me. And I'm on LinkedIn. We have a presence. My team kind of handles some of the, the basic posts and that sort of thing. I've got to get better about commenting. I've got to get better about building relationships because really Business Radio X is all around B2B and supporting businesses. So this is going to be a, a rich conversation for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken... Modern Seller HQ is that a free group? Talk, talk us, tell us a little bit more about that for those of us who aren't familiar and might be curious and getting uh, getting involved with you guys. Yeah,
0: modern Modern Seller HQ is a free community, and um, our our goal and vision with that is especially. I mean, we don't. It's not age specific, but we seem to have drawn kind of that forty five to fifty year old plus that's in sales or sales leadership or even the C suite. And they're hitting that moment where we're starting to realize, you know, I've been successful. I've had a good career in sales, but everything I've learned, everything that I have relied on all these years, it's not working as well. It's, we used to be able to be successful in sales with hustle, grit, and a good Rolodex. And hustle and a Rolodex or a network isn't a guarantee of success. Buyers have changed and buyer behavior has changed. And if we as salespeople or business owners keep approaching buyers in the same motions that we've done before, we tend to repel them instead Mm -hmm. of draw them towards us. And so Modern Seller HQ, we talk all things, um, we love to use the term, a true buyer-centric approach to selling instead of a seller-centric approach. We talk a lot about a lot of our sales motions that we do traditionally. They started in the 1960s, right? And and as much as we don't want to admit this, the 1960s was a really long time ago.
1: Hey, now, I'm I'm at 50 plus. (laughs) So I'm at 50 plus too,
0: right? (laughs) But my point is that technology has changed, the tools have changed, buyers have definitely changed because of these things called Google and the internet and LinkedIn and all the other social media they have a very different perception of buyers, of sellers. They don't need us early in their journey, but yet sales We're so often we're trying to pound those doors open and get their attention and get the demo. And so modern seller HQ is a place where we talk about all things digital or modern selling. How do we change our motions that align better with the way buyers prefer to do their uh, buying and their researching, versus trying to interrupt them and pound the doors down and get them to return our 20,000 cold call messages
2: that we leave for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's what you were just saying, Brandon, I was saying earlier when I had that sort of punch in the stomach moment, that was basically, you know, going into a board meeting, being asked about my sales forecast and really not feeling very good about it. Obviously, forecasts are are that, but when I would go into meetings or I'd go especially into a board meeting, in the past, I always felt pretty good about what I was putting down there. I felt pretty confident. And one of the board members, that was the question they asked. They said, well, how confident do you feel about this? And it was sort of like, uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I know the right so, answer
1: is I'm very confident, yeah, but I don't yeah. know that I can say it, right? Yeah,
2: I don't know if I can it. was almost like, trust me, it's okay. Yeah. And when I left that meeting, you know, as an engineer, I was like, man, that something's different. Something's really weird. And that's where I went down the rabbit hole of what Brandon was just talking about, buyer centric. The fact that I was looking at the world through as, as a seller versus looking at through the lens of the buyer. And as soon as I started to look at things differently through the lens of the buyer and how I buy and how others buy, it just ended up getting deeper and deeper. And that's why I figured I had to put it all into a book because others were having the same problem. But yeah, a lot of these same, all of this kind of comes back to the same topics that we're dealing with in the community.
1: And how big is the community, if I can ask?
2: I Don't know a few hundred people,
1: Brandon, um, so far.
0: Yeah, we're we just we've launched it what four months ago. We're we're having fun now where we're getting the traction, we get the alert. It's like at least one or two new signups per day, which is awesome. But it's early stages, but we know that this is the future. Community is gonna is is and will continue to be the future. And specific communities, especially even moving communities outside of like Facebook pages and other things are really the trend right now. And we wanted to be on the front end of that.
1: I was going to ask how much of this um, buyer-centric modern selling is based on relationships?
0: 1,000%.
1: Right. I don't want to open up my LinkedIn messages or any of my social messages, let alone email or texting and get this onslaught of these cold cold calls. I we really... call
2: that a pitch slap. We call that the pitch slap.
1: Oh yeah. my God. that's a good... <laughs> I understand that. And I just, I won't do business with people who are going to slam me. And then the other thing I get, which I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, because you're the experts, but then I'll get that second email that says, hey, I see, you know, they don't say, I see that you opened your email, but that's basically what they're saying. Let's have a conversation. And until I actually say I'm not interested or I just block them, I just keep having to cycle through again, you know, 15, 20 of those every week. And as a relationship person myself, which is even why I open Phoenix Business Radio, because I I want to hear your story. I wanna learn, I wanna get to know you first. And in fact, we even talked about, we joked about that. Yeah. So we have let's let's talk about that. Hilka Faber, who has his show Root and Wavering with Growth Leaders Network. We've gotten to know each other the last couple of years. We've produced his show for a couple of years. And he said, you've got to meet Brandon. I don't know how you two connected. I'm going to assume it's LinkedIn. He told me a little bit about what you do with Fist Pump as well as uh, Modern Selling HQ, excuse me. He introduced us via email, which was so sweet. A nice, warm introduction. You came back and said, love to meet you, Karen. Let's have a conversation one-on-one. And I said, let's do a show <laughs> and bring somebody that you need to help accentuate your success story, which is why we're so happy that Tom's here, because that's how I get to know people. I want to spend time getting to know you. I want to hear your success story. I want to kind of just listen and, and feel it out, see if it makes sense so that not only if, if it's not something that I can use, then other people can have the benefit of our conversation. So that's how we actually landed here. So shout out to Hilka and, and thanking him for that. So let me go back to my original question after that bird walk. You said, after I asked, how much of selling is relationship building? You said, I think, a thousand percent. Let's talk about that, both of you.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's it's always, look, it's always relational. And there's a lot of trite things that we say, but they're a thousand percent true. B2B business is really done person to person right? So whether it's the relationship a buyer has with your brand, or it's a relationship your buyer has with a specific person or persons inside of your brand, buyers are always going to do business with people they like. The, the no like and trust factor has not gone away. Now it's gotten more complicated and Tom's done an amazing job explaining that in his book. So I won't go there. That's his, that's his baby. I'll let him explain it. But that relational part, the buyer journey, right? And this is what I think is so important for people to pause and think about. The buyer journey is more important than your product or service. Let that sink in for people because a lot of times as sellers or as business owners, we just don't think that way. Like, oh, I got this. I'm so much better than, I'm cheaper than, I'm whatever. You know what? Your buyer cares more about the journey and how you relate with them how much they like it, how much it aligns with the way they want to do their research. And because buyers have so many options and all those options are just right here in their fingertips, they can go anywhere to get it. They care more about their own journey than your product, your service, and in some cases, even your pricing. So a lot of times as sellers, we're just focused on the wrong things and we miss our buyers.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that buyer experience that Brandon's referring to there is, and think about what you were just saying, right? It it trumps all these other things. And if that buyer experience is bad, it doesn't matter. They could have a great product and something you really want, but more and more people are just like, I don't want to deal with that. So I want first and foremost that buyer experience and that buyer experience that you have then Mm -hmm. reflects and becomes that brand and then amplifies and spotlights the value of your product your product doesn't va- spotlight the value of that buyer experience. So if you start first with that buyer experience, everything else tends to fall into place right after that.
0: And I would add to that too, for Gen Xers and baby boomers, this might sound a little foreign because our generations, we, we tended to be more forgiving of sales reps because we had to, they were our source of information we couldn't say, oh, you're bugging me, go away. We would think you're bugging me, but we wouldn't send them away because they were our source of information. But as buyers are getting younger, or we're getting older, however you want to say that, the younger generation, they didn't grow up in that same world. So they're they so much less tolerant of a bad buying experience. And that's why we hear about ghosting, salespeople just being ghosted, And we, you know, as salespeople, of course, we want to blame them. Oh, they're rude and da, da, da. But we got to take a look in the mirror and say, what did we do to contribute to that? Because they were obviously not having a good experience with us. And they don't owe it to us to explain anything. They owe it to themselves to be efficient. And so they just move on. And we're left wondering what happened. That's where so many sales teams that are looking at their pipeline or lack of pipeline or their forecast being all over the place, we've got to have the courage to look in the mirror and go, what have we been doing and where have we been missing them? Because we can blame buyers as much as we want, but the bottom line is that doesn't
2: increase our sales.
1: Would you say there's a B2B crisis? Is that what we're talking about?
2: Yeah, no, I would say there's, it's, it's it's not an opinion. We see it every day, even from the largest of companies. Is the and when I we use the word crisis is sales is based upon your ability to predict and forecast, right? And you because that drives your business. And we're seeing so many companies, big and small, not being able to forecast accurately, not having good prediction. Obviously, that ties into the well-being of the salespeople. It ties into cash flow. It ties into everything that goes into a business. If you can't predict to some level of reasonable certainty, what your sales forecasts are going to look like. And not only that, but we're seeing sales cycles get way slower and a lot more sluggish. So, you know, even if somebody is potentially interested, it's taking longer. All of it comes from sort of these same things is not recognizing your, what we're finding is companies are not facilitating and guiding that buyer experience. They're trying to control it. And as a result, it's resulting in these in unpredictable forecasting and long sales cycles. And yeah, it's a crisis. It's a real situation because as Brandon said in the beginning, working harder, pedaling faster, you know, being, okay, I'm going to make 100 calls a day. It doesn't solve the problem. And yet that's how we are seeing sales leaders in a lot of cases trying to solve the problem is pedaling faster and go harder.
1: So you're not saying that Companies can't forecast. There just is a difference in how they need to be forecasting and what information they're looking at and that and the longer sales cycle.
2: And let me just give you one simple example of that. If you look at traditional sales forecasts, it's usually based around your sales process. Right. So Mm -hmm. let's say I'm selling software. Okay, I have a discovery call, then I go to a demo, then I may give you a proposal and whatever, right? There's four, five, six stages that aligns with, but if you as a buyer, if you're buying software, are you thinking in terms of, okay, I did the discovery call and now I did the demo. I'm just waiting for the proposal to buy, right? You have a completely different journey that you're going through to the point where you would make a decision to buy. So what w- if I'm going to accurately forecast, am I going to be more accurate if I can forecast and track your journey or I'm track forecasting and trying to track my journey as the seller? there's no, so as soon as we start to be able to look and see if you're the buyer, how you're progressing through your journey, and we can track and facilitate that and manage that, then we can have a reasonable degree of forecasting and predictability. But when we try and do it with through our lens as a seller, we just have this huge mismatch and it's, you know, pretty much delusional to forecast at that point.
0: Yeah. And to give, give an example of that, I was on a, on a call earlier today with a client speaking to a vendor. I'm kind of third party. I'm, I'm supporting them and making a decision. And the salesperson said, well, you know, we're at the end of our quarter and if you could close this deal by, by Thursday at the end of our quarter. And I just kind of sat there going, oh, this is going to be interesting. Let me see how this works. And the real buyer, who's my client sitting next to me, it was just like, that's, that's not motivating. To them they're they're on their own journey they're making their own decisions and all these things that sales has traditionally used to try and control it you just don't have the power or the effectiveness they did before
1: which goes back again to the the crisis we're talking about right it's it's uh the conversation is very different and and the needs I can't imagine being inspired and motivated to um you know close a close a sale because uh, somebody needs to hit their their quarterly. Uh, Can't imagine. So, if somebody, when somebody is a member of Modern Seller HQ, what's the experience there? Talk talk us through that a little bit.
0: Where we focus on is tactics, strategies, and mindsets around being a modern seller. Uh, So, when somebody joins Modern Selling HQ, we actually give them a checklist of what it means to become a modern seller, which is actually moving towards a certification. And we're not sure exactly where where that's going to go. It might just be certified internally and maybe we'll we'll look at doing a third-party certification down the road. But what we really want to do is help, and again, especially these Gen Xers to baby boomers that our generation is, we've now experienced two big major financial crises that have affected our 401ks, our retirement planning. And we're talking to a lot of people that said, hey, I thought I was going to be able to retire in two to three years and it looks like I need to work 10 more years. I've been a successful salesperson. I need to figure out what to do for the next 10 years with this LinkedIn thing. What do I do? And so we give them a checklist and they start to go through it. We start with the top 10 mindsets for modern sellers because that's a big aha moment. A lot of the things that Tom was talking about is um, to be buyer-centric we have to change and focus on the buyer experience rather than our sales experience. And over the years, and I've been a part of this, I've been guilty of this many times over the years, we go going down and we're going to go create the buyer journey. Well, we say, we use the word buyer journey, but we don't mean buyer journey. We mean our sales journey and how we're going to shove them down our pipeline and make sure that it works. So we talk about the mindsets. We talk a lot about LinkedIn as a communication channel. Now we're not bashing cold calls. We're not bashing cold emails. We think there's still a lot of value in emails and calls and texting and WhatsApp and all the other tools that are potential. Our main push is you got to know your buyer and go where your buyer is. And we need to start from a healthy relationship mindset. It's, excuse me, it's not about let me go to LinkedIn and send out as many connection requests as I can get. And Karen, you you alluded to these. You go, oh, well, that looks all accept it. And then bam, they smack you with this. Hey, here's my pitch. It's LinkedIn when viewed from the lens of a networking event. And therefore your behavior changes because you're more networking to establish a healthy rapport relationship with someone. Before you get to a sales opportunity, before you get to any sort of pitch, if you get that mindset, then it changes your behavior. And so we talk a lot about that mindset that leads to a change behavior. But then when we talk about change behavior, there's some tactics, there's some frameworks, there's some strategies that go with it from a social prospecting strategy to a digital selling strategy. How do we implement those? All the way down to how do I update my LinkedIn profile? Within Modern Seller HQ, we have a variety of coaches with some different spaces. We have a section specifically for women that our partner, Mariana Lima out of Portugal, she leads that group because women have your own set of challenges and things that you need to overcome in dealing with social media. And we have other sections for your LinkedIn profile. We have a, we have a space for baby boomers and various different sections. So once they get involved... They're getting content at that high level, but they also can find specific spaces that they can join and really deep dive in areas that are most important to them.
2: Yeah, we're also trying to, we're also kind of building out a faculty, if you will, of experts in the community. Um, We've got some really good people from IBM. We've got people from Microsoft. So we've got, you know, big companies, we've got small companies. And, you know, we're just letting it grow organically at this point you know, seeing what people are finding interesting. We're making adjustments. We're listening. So it's definitely going to be an ongoing work in progress, but yeah, there's a lot, there's already a ton of good material in there related to some of the topics we've, we've already talked about.
1: It's a perfect example. Obviously this, not without you guys knowing this when you went into it, but modeling for your members and participants, what it's like to build relate, how it's, how it is to build relationships first and to give, freely, content, ideas, suggestions, community, right? This is the same thing that we've done here with Business Radio X. We are in the business of helping businesses, B2B businesses, have their own podcasts so that they can successfully get in front of other business owners and let them, you know, shine the spotlight on their story. So what better way to do it than to model it, which is, you know, again, why I have the two of you on here today. It's just a wreath on our door. So clearly, uh, that's, I think, what what I'm seeing that you've done and and why not help people find a creative and more importantly, an effective way to build those relationships and be able to say, hey, this, this is me. This is how I show up professionally. Come spend time with me and and see if we're a fit. Am I missing something there or is that, is that part of it as well?
2: well, One of the big areas we talk about as an accelerator for this whole area of modern selling is what we call episodic content, which is a podcast or a live show is episodic, right? It has episodes So it continues from one period or one week to the next. And what we have found is, you know, people talk a lot about a content strategy. What we have found is the best content strategy you can possibly have is episodic content and then you can, and and for even for repurposing, right? The ability to take that episode, like we're doing here, repurpose it, break it into shorter snippets, get that out, use some of the tools that are there. And it's also, you know, it's, it's not, it's, this, is, this isn't salesy, it's getting to know people, it's getting to provide value. So this whole idea of episodic content as a content strategy, we're finding is we can't find a better way, really, and a better strategy for building content.
0: And, and it's when it's done well, and you know this, Karen, because you've been doing this for a while. I, I was on a, on a call with the prospect today, this morning, and we were talking about a live show or a podcast, and I can see their faces. And I said, okay, well, let's address a couple things before we get there. Number one, you're probably thinking that everybody has a podcast, and they're shaking their heads. I said, okay, well, let's look at the data. The average podcast only has seven episodes, which means everyone started a podcast, but most people don't keep it going. And then we'll address you know, problem number two that you're thinking is most people don't keep going with the podcast because they don't have a strategy to generate sales from it. So they make it very pitch slappy. It's very advertorial. It's all me, 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 me. And then they wonder why no one's paying attention. And they throw their hands in the air and they say, this doesn't work. And it's yet another thing that doesn't work. And they move on and have this bad attitude. And they're like, that's exactly what we we're thinking. And I said, that's what most people think. So we've got to take a look at the show has to be valuable for people. We have to educate. We have to entertain. We have to engage. And we don't talk about ourselves. Right. Like it, <laughs> this is kind of weird for us because Tom and I don't talk about our own, ourselves or our business on our own show. I, and so for us to talk about who we are and what we do is, is different for us. But when you come at that approach, and you said it earlier, you know, I, I forget exactly, but I heard you say something along that, seeking to serve and get to know people and build relationship. It's amazing how business starts to come through that. Like the less we sell, the more
2: we sell.
1: Yep. <laughs> Was there a question mark at the end of that? Say that again. The, the less we sell, the more we sell.
2: <laughs> Sounds like you're going to get another t-shirt in the mail.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Note going. to self, I got to keep up with John Ray. <laughs> Send t-shirts.
0: And, and <laughs> along those lines, before we run out of time, because and Tom and I talk about this all the time, when when we're our episodes have to give tangible value to people, and then they will come back, they will share it with people, they'll subscribe, whatever. So everything we've been talking about, here's here's our gold nugget. I always say, can you get a gold nugget? Like They're little, they fit in your hand, you can put it in your pocket, but they're worth a lot of money, right? That's what gold is. Try this, comment, this is part of the modern seller mindset. One of them is go slow to move fast. Everybody in sales likes to send out connection requests, wait for someone to accept it, and then Send them how awesome you are and give them a link to your calendar to schedule a demo. doesn't work. No one likes it. It's annoying. Comment on their post activity three to four times before you send a connection request. Now, first thing people say is, oh, my customers, they don't publish. Okay, if they're not publishing their own content, as long as they're active on LinkedIn, they're liking and commenting other people's posts, this strategy works. You go to their post activity, comment on their comments or comment on posts that they've already commented on. And what's going to happen is LinkedIn's going to send them a notification. So Karen, you'll get a notification. It'll say, Brandon Lee commented on a post that you published or you commented on or you liked. And after you get that, I do that two, three, four times. I know you've seen me you see my face, you see my name because of the notifications and then i can send a connection request that's more of you know karen you and i keep commenting on the same post we're we're in the same network but i notice we're not connected is it okay for us to connect we remove that whole that's that's relational focused mm-hmm. yes i'm being strategic yes i'm act, doing my actions to get in front of you But I'm not doing it from a lens of I want to go sell you something. I'm doing it from a lens of I want to go build a rapport with you, get to know you and let you get to know me. So before we go, I wanted to at least have one tangible tactical, something that your audience can take with them and
1: try it. I'm thinking about the reticular activator, right? It's it's planting that seed and it's the it's the red car that I see when I want to buy a red car. If I'm pregnant, I see all those pregnant women. If we see each other's names enough in conversations and comments, then when the time comes to make that introduction, it's it's, it's fresh. It feels good. It's welcoming. And I love the way you termed it as well, Brandon. You're still going into that LinkedIn message, let's say with the request, hey, I see we're hanging out in the same places. We are in a common circle. We're commenting in this group. I'd like to connect here. Is that okay with you, right? I still have permission to say, nah, or I could say yes, right? I've noticed. Or if I haven't been paying attention, I'm going to go pay attention because you are.
0: Yeah, those are those are great observations with it. and And my strategy is to ask permission uh-huh. because I think it's honoring. And I don't want to assume that somebody's just going to want to connect with me. And All of these little strategies or the little nuances, um, as Carson, our our other co-host always says, anything that I can do to incrementally increase the probability of being successful, I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what all of these are. They're just little tactics and changes and tweaks to our daily motions that increase the probability of being successful.
2: When I think even this goes back to mindset, when you make that connection request that you were just talking about, you're not making it so much from, Oh, I want to be connected. So now I can start pitch slapping. You're genuinely interested in potentially getting to know that person. That's a very different flow to the connection objective to the connection than a lot of the connections we get. I mean, Karen, I'm sure you see them, right? I'll go through them in the morning or, you know, I probably get 20 a day, 25 a day. And I can kind of go through and I can go, no, I know this is a pitch slap. No, there's a pitch Mm -hmm. slap. Here's a genuine, you know, they'll say they saw me on the podcast. they will have a question, right? Right? It was a genuinely, hey, I want to get to know you. I'm totally welcome to those connections. And I think we all are. We don't want the ones that are just trying to figure out a way to sell us something.
1: No. Tom, how do we get a hold of your book? Tell us where we can find that and and give us, uh, again, just a little highlight around what we can expect and who ought to be reading it.
2: Sure. So the book is, it's called The Revenue Zone. It is available on Amazon. I think probably anywhere else that books are sold. Goodreads, all of those different places. There's a, I also have a website called therevenuezone.com. So you can go there and see as well. If you join the community too, there's a free course in the on the community on the book as well. But the book is designed really for-
1: yeah, There we go. go. I was waiting for that.
2: <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: it's always on my desk and I put it in my backpack and totally forgot. But, I so. love it.
2: The tagline is the ultimate playbook for the next generation of sales, marketing, and predictable revenue growth, because it, it goes back to the, some of the topics that we've been touching on here. The, the reader for it really is anybody, you know, could be a sales leader, could be a, a, a business owner, a C-suite, anybody who's trying to kind of sort through this crisis that we just talked about mm. and look at a better way of, um, of going about sales and, and building a framework for doing that. I touch on a lot of that in the in the book, and some of the things that have caused it, and you know, just again, and and we, I really, one of the reasons we created the community is as when the book came out, it's been a little over a year now. We started to learn more and more things, and I wanted to be able to have a place to kind of backfill some of that additional information, and you know, bring together some of the things that Brandon was doing on the social side. So um, the community kind of takes it to another level. But a lot of the details are right in the book.
1: So great. We need to introduce you to John Ray. Don't you think, Brandon? He, I think Tom or both of you ought to be back on John Ray's, uh, I can't remember the name of his selling show. He has so many shows, but I think that'd be a great introduction. I think it'd be uh, important for his listeners and, and he's always looking to make great connections so we can take care of that. And Brandon, fist pump, tell us a little bit about how people interact with you there and, and why would they want to connect with you so that you can help them out?
0: Yeah, thank you for that. And and if they go to fist, uh, it's getfistbumps.com, plural at the end, getfistbumps.com. And there's a free trial on there. There's no commitment. You know, it, it leads you through the daily tasks uh, of LinkedIn. It helps what our customers are telling us. It's helping them be consistent and it's helping them be strategic with their time. And because Fistbump leads them down, you basically log in, you hit what do I need to do today? And I'll say, hey, you got 15 tasks, you hit go, takes you to the first person's most recent post activity. You can comment, it'll document it. You can write notes, right? We're doing this for research, not just to comment, but you know, oh, they mentioned that they went wine tasting this weekend or whatever it is, like all the intel that helps you connect with another human being wow. um, all in there. And then when you're done, you hit next and it just takes you to the next person and you do the same thing. And It's fully integrated with LeadSmart. Uh, It's integrated with Salesforce, with HubSpot, with other tools. So the documentation is is, um, all done automatically.
1: Brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Love it. All right. So one more time, if you could each, again, share your name and where we can, where's the best place to find you in addition to LinkedIn, uh, but your websites, and then we'll close out our conversation for today.
2: Yeah. So Tom Burton, LinkedIn. Um, My LinkedIn handle is tburton5350 because there's a few Tom Burtons out there. probably That's probably the best way to reach me, just drop a message or whatever on LinkedIn. And then, but also if you come to, uh, and come into modernsellerhq.com, um, as Brandon said, it's free. And please, you know, collaborate and reach out to us there because we're definitely there as well.
1: And building and growing, and it sounds like uh, looking for more experts in addition to a broader uh, grasp as far as it relates to professionals becoming part of it. Uh, how long have you been doing the podcast? Before we go to Brandon and have him uh, tell us how he can we can stay in to touch with him? Social selling for newbies—that was about the yeah. same time as.
2: No, so we're, we're 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 almost at episode fifty. Yeah, we're at forty. Forty actually forty is this week. So we're planning wow. for episode fifty right now. So it's been about a year oh, since gosh. we've been doing that. Yeah. And yeah, we, um, no. I was just going to say we're we're excited because we just cracked the top twenty five percent of all podcasts.
1: I I saw uh, that. I saw that announcement. Congratulations, yeah, that's yeah. big.
2: Anyway, we have big plans for the next fifty. But go ahead, Brandon.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: no, I was I was going to say that about the show. Um, I mean, we we go once a week, so we're at forty weeks. Big plans for our fifty second episode, which hits our one year mark, and then we're looking at our guest. And you know, it's amazing when you start, you know crawling up the rankings that we can get more people and we've got some CEOs of some pretty big companies that we never thought could would be our guests who are interested and want to be guests on our show. So it'll be really fun to see you as we move into the next, the second year.
1: Well, well done and congratulations. So good. Well, I look forward to staying in touch with you, and I know we're going to have a follow-up conversation, of course, and hopefully get you introduced, Tom, to John Ray over the yep. North Fulton Business Radio Studio. It's been a pleasure to get, both, get to know both of you today. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening.